the more you could maximize the amount of solar that you could get on that training facility or whatever the building or practice facility, the better because you're going to get the economics of scale with the actual construction and financing and the economics will look better. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick Podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thanjan. And I'm your co-host, Lee Wang. Let's get into it. So today we have a topic that is near and dear to both of our hearts because both Benoit and I are huge sports fans. I'm from Philadelphia. My team is the Eagles. And Benoit, your team... The New York football giants. All right. So today on the topic is going to be sports facilities and solar energy. And we've seen just recently that the Los Angeles Lakers have announced that they partnered with LG to provide solar panels to their training center. So that's exciting news. This is a big market. Obviously, LeBron has just joined the Lakers. This bodes well for solar, right, Benoit? Definitely. Obviously, LA is the second premier market outside of New York. I know people on the West Coast probably wouldn't agree with me. And I'm actually a new Laker fan, Knicks fan. We opened offices in San Diego and LA and excited to have LeBron on board and excited about what Magic's doing and putting solar on the practice facilities. You know, a great sort of first step and really having solar and more and renewable energy resources at more of these sports facilities will be great. Actually, Benoit, talk about why your company, Renew Energy, decided to open offices in LA and San Diego. Tell the Mavericks out there why it was important for you to have a ground presence in those two areas. Sure. So California is the most progressive state in the 50 states and actually is the number one state for solar. And they recently passed legislation to increase that. The governor actually signed it. So it's an ideal state for solar. They also have very progressive energy storage initiatives. As I've talked about in a previous podcast, solar plus storage is going to be the future where basically you're storing the solar at night and then using that power when needed. And yeah, those are the primary reasons why we moved to California, specifically San Diego and LA. Aren't there pretty aggressive goals for the state in general to go solar? Is there a mandate? I believe I read there was a mandate. Yeah, so basically there's a mandate that basically the governor, Jerry Brown, said that it's going to be 100% renewables. I'm trying to actually remember what year that's going to happen. I think it's 2050, and I think I said that in another podcast. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really exciting, and that's obviously going to create a lot of opportunity because there's going to have to be a lot of solar and renewable energy initiatives to get basically his vision of what he wants. It's actually, sorry, I just checked online. It's 2045 where it's going to be 100% well, that's, renewable. That's right around the corner. That's not, yeah, that definitely California as a state is very progressive. And we're going to be extremely busy with putting solar and other renewable resources. So it's exciting. And that's one of the major reasons why we're moving to California. You know, that's really interesting, Benoit, because as we know, our teams, the Philadelphia Eagles, Lincoln Financial Field, and the Giants at I'll still call it Giant Stadium, but we've, and also... <laughs> I'm fine with that. Sorry, Jets fans. Also, our NFC East <laughs> rivals here, the Redskins at FedEx Field, all of these stadiums have solar. And today we're sitting here and it's a cloudy, rainy day. And the East Coast doesn't seem like it'd be the most solar-friendly region of the country, yet we have our 
three NFC East teams leading the way in solar. Does that surprise you? Is there something about the East Coast, in spite of not having that much sun and as many incentives as California, that we're able to be progressive and lead the way? Yeah. I mean, I think when I tell people that New Jersey and Massachusetts are one of the top states for solar, people are really surprised because obviously you're not getting as much sun as like, say, California, Hawaii, Arizona, which are big solar states or have adopted solar, but they have very strong state level incentives to have solar energy. But also, too, the Northeast has high electricity costs, making the payback for solar a lot quicker, making companies wanting to go solar. So that's why you're seeing at these stadiums. And actually, it's interesting because most of these stadiums have gone solar through NRG, which is a big publicly traded energy company. And they basically have done a power purchase agreement, which is basically a third party arrangement where they basically own the panels and then they charge the teams a fixed price over a 20 year period. And the teams will only pay the power purchase agreement if it's less than the current cost of electricity. So they're actually saving money as well and being renewable. I know. So that's really interesting. You brought the cost of electricity. And obviously, that's a huge factor in considering going solar. What are some of the other factors that sports facilities should consider as they're entertaining the idea of going solar? What does Renew Energy do for them in terms of feasibility study? What are some of the factors? Sure. So we're actually currently talking to several sports franchises about looking at solar at their stadiums and practice facilities. And really what we do is we act as an owner rep slash developer. And we basically do like a technical and financial feasibility. Really the technical feasibility is more like related to the roof and whether the roof could hold solar, what's the age of the roof, the roof condition, because Solar is a long-lived asset that you're going to have for more than 20 years, I would say 30, 35 years. So you have to have a brand new or restored roof, some sort of roof restoration, which we'll have a speaker to talk about that in the near future. The other thing, too, is like financial feasibility. People are not going to go solar. Businesses, from what I've seen, are not going to go solar totally because it's green. It has to save them money. So financially, there has to be a payback. The other thing, too, obviously promoting that you're using renewable resources is great with the customer and fan base. Got it. So just to be clear to all the Mavericks out there, when we talk about the Lakers going solar, we're actually talking about their training facility, the UCLA Health Training Center, not the Staples Center. So my question to you, Benoit, is that if a sports facility is considering going solar, does it make sense for them to do it in stages, smaller bits, to test the waters before making a full-term commitment? So I think at this point, like solar is obviously a really developed technology. So the more you could maximize the amount of solar that you could get on that training facility or whatever the building or practice facility, the better because you're going to get the economics of scale with the actual construction and financing and those costs will be less. So the economics will look better. So it's not something that you would actually piecemeal. You would just really do the whole thing at one time. Right. Just to give the Mavericks out there a sense of the numbers and something quantifiable, we're reading in this report that the Lakers Training Center is now home to 456 solar panels that are set to produce an estimated 245,000 kilowatt hours per year. And they estimate the cost savings are around $38,000 annually. So just to give our listeners a sense of what this means 
in context to the size facility. Do those numbers stack up okay to you, Bernoy? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what the market standard is for a system that size. It's actually a relatively small solar system, but that's great that the Lakers are doing that and taking that initiative. And it's something exciting. And I think you'll see in the near future, a lot of other sports facilities or teams moving forward with it. Sports facilities, when they're putting on a game or a live event, use a lot of power, correct? So yes, that's correct. Um, is this a type of facility that would really benefit from going solar due to that factor? So outside of sports, yeah. like a venue that where it's like commercial, industrial, you're using a lot of energy and the owner also occupies the building makes the most sense okay, with the highest it. payback right. for the facility just because you're immediately saving well, it depends how it's structured, yeah. but the financial payback is huge when you're actually using the facility and producing a lot of energy. Right. So you're, for example, New York like City. Like a data center or something. Okay. I know this is outside of the yeah. sports facilities talk, but you're constantly using a huge sum of electricity 24-7. So yeah. it makes a lot more sense in those situations. We're taping here in Jersey City, and we've got some riffraff in the next room, but <laughs> I think we'll be able to deal with that. We're on the East Coast here, so we're used to... The best coast? Uh, Is yeah, it the best yeah. coast? I don't know. What do you think, Mavericks? <laughs> Weigh in. Email us. Benoit, what's the email for the listeners to contact you? So it's info at renewenergy.com. I-N-F-O at R-E-N-E-U energy.com. Yeah. And be sure to check us out at renewenergy.com. And that's where we post the latest news. If you want to meet us at a solar conference, we've posted the latest event. Actually, Benoit, talk about you're going to be moderating a panel discussion. Talk about that conference a little bit. Sure. So I'm actually speaking at Solar Power International which this recording will probably come after. It's basically next week, September 20th to the 23rd. It's the biggest solar conference in the U.S. I think last year, 18,000 people came to this conference. I'm actually moderating one of the talks, and it's about basically corporate companies purchasing power off-site through renewable resources, specifically solar energy. So basically what's happening is you have companies like Google and Apple who are buying electricity remotely, basically providing long-term contracts and then buying that power to fit their sort of sustainability goals of having 100% renewable energy. So you said this is the largest solar conference. What types of people are going to be here? What's this whole conference about? Is there a theme? to the whole conference this year? There's no real theme. It's And everyone basically in the industry like comes to this conference. So it's kind of crazy. Like My schedule actually is booked for four days already in meetings because everyone from the industry, and it's someone who's a solar novice to mm. equipment manufacturers, to developers, to investors, to financiers, to third party sort of consultants, legal entities. So there's no real theme. But it's a great conference because you really get a pulse of what's going on. So I'm sure we're going to have some sort of exciting information to talk about at the podcast after I come back from the yeah, conference. Yeah, stay tuned here. We'll have some highlights from the conference. Benoit, who are some of the people that will be on your panel? Anyone worth noting? Sure. Everyone in the panel is worth noting. The great thing is that we have basically a wide range of people in the conference. We have a utility that basically provides green tariffs for companies who are going solar. We have a solar developer on the panel. We have an investor who invests in solar, and they basically have raised more than a billion dollars to invest in solar projects in the U.S. And we have a company that has expertise in managing data centers and energy output of 
data centers because that's one of their biggest expenses is the use of energies with all these different sort of servers and server farms yeah. in these sort of data centers. So You brought up grain tariffs. Tell us a little bit, inform the Mavericks here about what the current administration is doing um, as far as making it difficult for solar. Give us the overview on what's happening federally. Sure. So the federal government has a 30% investment tax credit, which is an incentive to solar. That Basically, you get a 30% credit on the cost of the system. But that's been something that's actually been here for a long time. It actually started with the President Bush, George W.'s administration with a 1603 grant. It used to be a 30% grant. The current administration is not pro-solar. They're pro-clean coal, which there's no such thing. But they're basically... There's no such thing? I don't know. It sounds like an oxymoron. Right. Really, there's been like a tariff on solar panels. They're talking about putting another tariff on panels. I think there's a tariff on inverters as well. And then raw materials like steel and things like that. The solar industry has, because of these tariffs, it's slowed down the industry. But still, you know, solar is one of the fastest growing industries in the U.S. Costs are still low and people are innovating and creating new ways of developing and building projects, which are lowering the cost, balance of system costs, financing costs. And then a lot of states are becoming more progressive and passing legislation that's pro-solar. So the administration definitely hasn't been pro-solar, but more the opposite. Okay, so that's what's going on in the United States. Benoit, I know your travel schedule takes you to various places around the world. And back to our main topic here about sports facilities and solar we see that in Brazil, there's solar facilities in Turkey and the Netherlands. Talk a little bit about the international scene and, and sports facilities and going solar. What do you see? You mentioned Germany, I think. Yeah, so for solar at sports facilities, I mean, we're really seeing it more in Europe. People being a lot more progressive with putting solar and other renewable resources on different sports facilities. And it seems like Europe just in general has probably been more progressive in general with accepting solar and renewable resources in Germany. I think there was like certain days during the year where it was 100% powered by solar. So really like Germany and some other countries in Europe have been aggressive in adopting renewable energy. But there's still a long way to go with adoption of solar just in general. But I know I was speaking to you before, like people are also using carbon offsets as well during games to kind of make sure their energy supply is renewable. So that's also another big thing that we're seeing with sports facilities and helping companies look at that. Okay. Prior to us jumping on here, you mentioned an interesting term to me. You mentioned greenies, which I often associate the word greenies with something my dog might eat. But so <laughs> what are greenies and you know how does this factor into our discussion today? Greenies are a renewable energy carbon offset that's basically based on stringent consumer environmental standards in North America, and it's certified from a green power and renewable energy facility, basically. One greenie equals one megawatt hour of energy, and basically what happens is sports facilities are using, especially in hockey, actually, greenies to basically offset their production of energy during games or during their office facilities. One of the big things was for the last Super Bowl here in New Jersey at MetLife Stadium was the Denver Broncos versus the Seattle Seahawks. I think that was like four years ago. But basically, 
it was a blowout. Yeah. <laughs> Peyton Manning did not have a great day. No, definitely not. And, and see, and it was unseasonably warm too. Yeah. I think it was like in the seventies in February. Well, how which far had very... the Legion of Boom uh, gone down last night? Was not a great game. Oh yeah. Well, it's interesting because the Legion of Boom isn't really not there anymore. All right. those guys: Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, yeah. Cam Chancellor, are not on the team anymore. But. It's interesting. That was the first sort of premiere sort right. of event that MetLife had. And actually, PSCNG, which is basically Public Service Enterprise Group, their uh, utility in New Jersey, they provided RECs or renewable energy credits to offset basically the production of the MetLife Stadium during the Super Bowl. Also, the AFC NFC hotels in Jersey City, actually, they both stayed one stayed at the Hyatt, which I think was the Broncos, and the Westin, the Seattle Seahawks stayed, and basically Super Bowl Boulevard, which was actually in Times Square. So we're seeing like sports franchise aggressively wanting to use Greenies as a way of being 100% renewal. Not just that, but also companies. And we've actually been talking as well to sports franchises because we Renew Energy originally started in the rec business and we brokered about 27 million in SREC transactions. So we're very familiar with you know environmental commodities and carbon offsets. All right. So what, uh, Benoit, is your dream facility to go solar? <laughs> I know you, you're a big sports fan. You've been to a lot of stadiums. What would be on your wish list? It's interesting. It's more because I'm a fan of the team. Yeah, so sure. like, it would be the New York Yankees and Yankee Stadium. For me, like that's the stadium just because I'm a huge Yankee fan. Right. A lot of history there. A lot of history there. And for them to be progressive and do solar would be really cool. And I can't wait when that happens. And hopefully hopefully Renew Energy will be doing the business. Hank and Hal, I hope you hear me. Hank and Hal Steinbrenner. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a message yeah. about it. Well, quite often we talk about solar in terms of the environment in general. This is interesting. So Indianapolis Motor Speedway, home of the Indianapolis 500, they actually host the largest solar installation at a sports arena. 9.6 megawatts solar arrays listed here. But on the other hand, we're doing car races. So it's kind of a dirty polluting profession right <laughs> so what's your opinion of this type of stuff any step towards green is better and, and that's going to help yeah i think any step yeah. towards green is better i mean 9.6 megawatts is a pretty big system also over time maybe it's not going to be using gas maybe it's electric cars tesla and a lot of the major car manufacturers are moving towards a battery and yeah. so it could be in the future the raceway doesn't have gas. It's all electric. That all takes time, and it just yeah. doesn't happen overnight. It's interesting you bring up Tesla, because one of the most interesting aspects of Tesla is that not only is it a greener car, but it's also a really what they believe a better car, better safety, better impact resistance, things like that. Are solar buildings simply better buildings at the end of the day, in your opinion? Obviously, you're biased, but give our listeners the Mavericks a perspective there. Solar has its benefits, but do they actually produce better, more efficient buildings at the end of the day? So they don't create better buildings. It's more of whether you could lower your cost of electricity if you okay. go solar, because there would be other initiatives. Like, for example, 
energy efficiency, the first thing to do is actually look at energy efficiency initiatives like LED lighting and ways of using less electricity. They have like automated lighting if someone's not around or things like Nest, but more on a commercial industrial basis. That's the easiest sort of payback of lowering your electricity. Then the next thing that you look at is solar because solar could decrease the cost of electricity. And it's really about reduce, reuse, recycle, but reducing your energy consumption and then lowering your cost of energy. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So, Benoit, we're going to end this episode with some of your predictions for your NFL Giants. (laughs) Uh, You know, you're starting off 0-2. What do you think the team needs to rebound here? What are some keys? We heard a lot of criticism yesterday on the offensive line. Where do you see your team? So I think the Giants will play better. I think it's basic things that could get corrected, like who you're blocking for the offensive linemen and the running backs and handling the stunts and some of the other things. I have to admit, I'm a biased Giants fan, so I'm always overly positive about the team. But I think there's been so much turnover. People, You have a new head coach. You have a new coordinators. They completely regutted the whole roster. So it's going to take some time. And I think you're going to hopefully see them start to gel. And they have a tough game coming up this Sunday in Houston versus the Texans. But what I love about the NFL, any given Sunday, any team could win. You know, I'm kind of shocked, as always, what teams are 2-0. and yeah. There's some teams like Tampa Bay, Ryan Fitzpatrick, really kind of running the show. And the Dolphins. I never expect the Dolphins. So I hope the Giants will get better. And Saquon looks really the real deal. And hopefully OV Olivier Vernon is a huge loss that we haven't had who could create a lot of pressure on the defense. On my side for the Philadelphia Eagles, there's only one thing to say. Carson (laughs) Wentz is back. And that's all we have to say. I'm curious, actually, what do you think Carson Wentz will have a good game? And it's his first game back after that Rams game, right? And week, what was that, 14? I don't think he'll have a good game, but that's I'm fine that with that. that. I'm, I'm yeah. glad to get him some reps, get him in there. And obviously, we have a long season ahead of us, and we have a lot more going on with the Maverick, the Mavericks <laughs> here. So looking forward to next episode. As always, email us at info at renewenergy.com if you want to hear any topics, if you have any questions for Benoit. And we look forward to having you on the next episode. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and leave us a five-star review. That helps us build this community, and that's what we're all about right now, building this community as big as we can to deliver as much value as we can. 